The weather is getting warmer, the kids are getting bigger, and the does are all starting to look their best. That means it's almost showtime. This week's episode of Goat Gab focuses on those show season preparations, starting a month out and up to the week of the show. Cameron and I are joined by our special guest, Garrett Morse, who gladly shares his wisdom on show season prep. Welcome back, Goat Gabbers, to another exciting rendition of Goat Gab. I'm Cameron. I'm Laura. And today we are joined by a friend of ours, a well-known breeder, and really a guy that really pulled himself up by his bootstraps in his goat operation. And I love to talk to this guy. I actually Snapchat this guy more than I Snapchat my fiance. Uh, it's Garrett Morris. Garrett, how are you? Oh, not too bad. Thanks for having me on. We're excited. Garrett, Garrett can you go ahead and tell us a little bit about your farm and, every, and your background as well? Sure. So on our farm for the dairy goat side, we raise alpines, La Mancha, Sonnens, Toggenberg, some recorded grades, and a couple sables. Um, I started with goats back when I was seven years old. I got it first since for my birthday, and he just kind of spiraled from there. Um, in the past, the herd had, it used to consist of boar goats, too, up to 250 of them. And about five years ago, we sold out of them. So now we just raise dairy goats again. Um, yeah, and then on the whole farm side, we also have a dairy. We milk about 100 cows. Then we have a feedlot, and we raise crops. So the goats are just a small part here. So you don't sleep very much. Yeah, <laughs> no, not much at all. <laughs> and you, what, you were drilling uh, oats today, right? Yes, I just got in the house about about two minutes ago. And just got out of the field about 10 minutes ago. So, uh, But it sounds like your kids are hungry in the back. Yes, yes, they are. I'll have to wait a while. <laughs> well, awesome. Awesome, awesome. Let's uh, let's dig in and talk about what's happening on our farms. Laura, what do you, what's happening on your farm? Um, it's, well, beautiful weather. I'm, I think probably all the Midwest is loving this, but um, it was warm enough today that my uh, youngest daughter said, mom, can we turn on the air conditioner? And I'm like, oh no, it's April. We're not turning the air on yet. Um, but it's, it's beautiful here. The kids are growing. Um, we had our first milk test Saturday and that was fun. It's always fun to, to, you know, see those numbers and, and some of them you think, oh, I thought she milked a little more than that. And others you think, wow, that kind of surprised me. So um, that's, yeah, that's about it. Just, living living the life love this kind of weather um i do want to give a shout out to gary moore um he helped me get my my uh first kids registered on the new adga ng so uh that was he was just wonderful just a great help so yay for him and and uh I, I know we'll probably chat more about that later but it was fun to see the the sign of success that 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 registration went through so that was a good thing so that's about it here awesome garrett what about you um last week we got the barn clean so that's a big relief the goat shrunk a few feet um we're, <laughs> we've got eight goats left a kid that'll be down to six by this time tomorrow night hopefully um we've got 100 and some i don't even know like 115 kids on milk right now yeah. 
Um, yeah, that's pretty much about it. Didn't you, didn't you go on a trip this week too? I did. We just got back from a road trip on Saturday. Friday we took off with a vehicle full of kids, dropped them off throughout Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan, and then we came back with kids from Michigan, delivered them around Minnesota, and kept a couple for myself. Yep. That sounds God. like fun. I would like to do that. That would be that would be a fun trip. Yep, it was a fun trip, but it was a long trip. A lot of stops, and sometimes the stops aren't very well coordinated as we think they are, and it ends up adding quite a few hours to your day. <laughs> yes, that's that's very true. I find um, Garrett just just for the folks that um, don't know you on our podcast, you don't milk commercially, correct? Nope, we don't, but we are not too far from having enough numbers to be doing that. Is that something that you want to do? Um, yeah, it's a potential goal. We've got a few dominoes, see how which way they fall in the next two years to see if that'll happen or not. So you you are producing, you know, obviously you're in that triple digit mark for kids, which is which is very big, and we were there at one point as well. Um, but it's, it's something to know that you can have a large herd and, you know, not be a commercial herd as well. And, and Garrett, you do a pretty good job of trying to remain profitable, um, with your herd across other business ed- uh, endeavors as well. Yeah, I would have to agree with that, but staying profitable is probably the hardest part when you have that many. When you're buying a new bucket or new buck for every breed pretty much every year. That doesn't help either. That would be challenging. Yeah. It uh, is a challenge. It's a fun challenge. <laughs> I love that statement. That's just great. <laughs> when you can put a positive spin on it, that's a that's a really good thing. If you're not enjoying it, why do it, right? Yep. <laughs> so Cameron, uh, what do you have going on? Um, so two weeks ago, I judged the show in Texas. Thank you to Texas for that. That was a good time. And I liked seeing, I like seeing the people in Texas and they're great. Um, one thing to take, and I want to say for this podcast here, um, really when you're going to a goat show, really consider where you are in the ring and what spot you present your goat. This ring had, different like levels on it where it was sloped in some areas. So there was like sand pits where goats would sink in that area of the ring. So when you're in the ring, really think about what position you are in order to make sure your goat is being shown to the best of its advantage. I I really reflected on that as I judged a couple weeks ago in Texas. Um, what else here? So, um, we got goats moving in and out, um, as you know, we've had buyers come in from kind of all over the place. And again, waiting for my group from Florida to come in there. Um, I was up at my fiance's house, pictured some Toggenbergs. I think I shared some of those with Garrett because Garrett's bought a buck from my fiance, um, and, uh, shared some of those. Um, we spread manure on our field this weekend. So we had crap flying everywhere, literally, (laughs) Yuck. Yeah. I think Garrett does a little bit of that too, doesn't he? Just a little bit. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, it's been it's been busy but productive here and lots of people moving in and out. And and thank you for my buyers that do listen to the podcast for coming and 
um, and coming and being organized, even the person that got a speeding ticket on the way. So hopefully that didn't ask, add to the cost too much. Ooh, not good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, moving right along, though, I think it's a great way to parlay into what's happening in the world of Adga. And you registered some goats, kind of. Yeah. Laura. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it did work. It took, I still have a tattoo issue with one of my daughters. Um, and I think it's a known issue that they have uh, where if you have uh, different memberships that are sharing the same tattoo, there are some issues with it. But, you know, other than that, it's, it's been really, it's been really easy. I got some DNA tests going and uh, used a, an AI memo and got that fixed. So it's, it's just really good. So. Garrett, have you tried to do any goats? I have, I, yeah, I've successfully registered one kid so far online. It didn't go very smooth, but after about half an hour, I did get a confirmation email. So I'll take it, I guess. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we, we did, we did everyone we could. We have a buck that's in my name for some reason, not my dad's name. So that's not showing up on our list. That's the only issue hiccup we've run into besides the AI memo or the ones we need a service memo on. So, um, we're, we're doing okay. Um, you know, I, again, we're pretty patient with it as well. And, and a lot of our buyers are very understanding as well. So I'm thankful for that. I think we just have to keep patience. I mean, it's slowly bit by bit, it's coming together. And um, I understand that it's a real hassle for some people, especially ones that are trying to ship animals or, or so forth. But I think if we just keep in mind that, okay, it's not perfect. Maybe this isn't the way it was supposed to happen or people wanted it to happen, but come on, it's goats. Let's, let's do the best that we can. And, and, just keep some patience there. It'll work out. Oh yeah. Garrett, what about your buyers? Have they been, were they pretty okay and receptive to, you know, not being able to get a paper on time? Um, so far, I guess I I'm guilty of handing them paper copies here this past weekend, just because with everything online and that way, I know some of them were to commercial dairy. So I didn't know if they were going to register them anyways. So I just figured that was easier that way too. But there's been a few people who are buying, haven't picked up yet, and they asked if I do them online right away. So I'll do them here probably later this week or next week. Good luck with that. I hope I hope it works well for you. <laughs> I hope so too. I haven't tried it. Register. I haven't tried any with service memos yet, or even looking up the service memos. So that's probably on the list to do this week. Yeah, I don't want to imagine that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I didn't have any problems. I did probably six service memos for some people who had used uh, a buck of mine and it worked out great. So I didn't have any issues with it. So I, I really am not trying to be a Pollyanna here. I'm just saying, I think things are getting better and, and bit by bit, they're getting more and more pieces in place. I think it'll be fine. Yes. And one thing that I had to re- you know remind people to do is, is poke the bear. Um, if you haven't heard a response yet on your ticket, um, re-reply to that ticket thread and they'll generally get back to you relatively quickly um, if they if they can solve the answer, if they can answer it immediately. Um, creating a separate ticket to document your other ticket, the problem doesn't help because they just see another ticket created. It's not keeping it under there. That's, that's some from experience from 
someone who's been in an IT and used some type of ticketing service like they have before. Um, and I've been sharing that with people on Facebook as well as re please reply to the ticket instead of creating a second one because that doesn't help. That only creates more mess for them to sort through. Good advice there. Also on the AdGo front, I think probably everybody maybe have seen today. So today is Monday evening. Uh, they've released the sign up for linear appraisal for 2021. So it's a fillable form. I think that's pretty exciting. Yes, it is. Uh, I know. I know, Laura, we've talked off off mic, obviously, about signing up and you're pretty committed to it. Garrett, are you going to sign up to be uh, for LA this year? I, yeah, I actually did when I was out bouncing the tractor earlier, so it's done already. <laughs> so, yeah, that technology is great. And obviously, if you can do it from your phone, it makes it so easy. Um, Laura, and obviously, are you planning as well? I am. Uh, a friend of mine is, is going to be a host herd. I've gone to his herd, to his house to do it before in the past. So it, if it gets to come to my area, we'll gladly do it. If it doesn't, we'll get it next year. I really... <laughs> it's not that I'm always this laid back about things. Really, I'm not. But um, I'm just so happy that things are starting to get back to normal. That if we have to take baby steps and maybe not get everything that we want right off the bat, I'm okay with that. We'll get there. It'll be fine. Yeah, I, I really agree with you, Laura, on that. Is if my goats don't get appraised, it's not the end of the world for me. The world is not on fire if my goats don't get appraised or I can't fill out a form. Um, you know, cause at the end of the day, I mean, these are goats, people just, just relax about it and, and remember that, you know, the world, the world's going to keep turning no matter uh, what happens with linear appraisal or not. So it's unfortunate if you don't get, I, it, I will be disappointed. I'm not, I'm not going to say, Oh, well, no big deal. I'll be disappointed if I don't get to, but I guess I also realized too, uh, you know, I breed the kind of goat I like. So having somebody linear appraise my herd isn't going to really change a whole lot of direction of what I'm doing. I appreciate the, I appreciate another set of eyes, but I can also get that anytime I have shoot Cameron, if I had you come over or Garrett, if you came by and looked at my goats at a show, I would very much welcome constructive criticism. So um, it's, it is what it is. It's, it's going to work out eventually. So just stay tuned. We'll get there. Yeah, I, I I don't know about Garrett, but I know I don't use linear appraisal to confirm which goats I'm keeping or not keeping. Garrett, what about you? Um, no, I just use it as a tool for making breeding decisions, and then obviously it's a good marketing tool as well. But it ain't going to make or break if you're keeping or staying or if the goat is staying or going. Oh, yeah. And if right. my buck appraises 81 as well, it's not going to mean that he leaves too. <laughs> yeah. Everybody knows my theory on buck score, buck appraisal scores. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Definitely not. Something else yeah. I've noticed too in ADGA, um, and it, I, I'm just bringing this up because I think it's really unfortunate. I know of probably four or five different directors who have either said publicly or not publicly that they don't plan to be directors after this year uh, or when their terms up they're they're not going to renew and it wouldn't surprise me if part of that reason didn't have to do with everything that they've had to deal with over the past year but 
let's be kind to our directors. They they haven't gotten a raise this year because they don't get paid to do what they're doing. So it's really it, it's really a gift of love that they're giving their time and their their efforts and uh, their concern to Adga. So let's try to be a little bit nice nicer to them. Don't be so hateful and uh, play the blame game. You know there are issues. We've got it. They're the same issues that face our directors. So show a little tender, loving kindness. I think towards them. That's my that's my public service announcement today. Thank you. I think that's needed to be heard um, by a lot of people, and I certainly am thankful for my directors. And again, if you want to send them and or think of them, um, you know, when you're before you probably make a nasty post, that would be much appreciated by them and probably us as well. So that being said, I think let's talk about something a little happier after our goats are registered. Um, we are talking about something today that is the most anticipated thing, I think, and the thing we've most been asked about to talk about besides lactation link. That is show prep. And I think we're going to make this a two-part episode. Is that right, Laura? Probably, because we probably have enough to hit um, a couple of episodes on this, which is exciting. Yeah. Yes, but before that, Garrett, tell us about your show experience um, and and kind of your background with goat shows as well as you've ran shows before as well. So, Garrett, talk about kind of your overall mentality when it comes to that. And I like bringing on Garrett because Garrett goes to a lot of goat shows a year. Right. So... Uh, that's kind of a loaded question again, but <laughs> so like I'll start about start talking about putting on a show. So I am the show chairman of the Minnesota Dairy Goat Association State Show, and that's a show that hadn't happened in almost thirty years before I took over and started putting it on four years ago. So that's a, that was a huge learning curve from just going to shows to putting on a show, but I think we've been pretty successful so far with it over the last few years, minus last year, of course. Um, and then just showing in general, I my I attended my first Agus show back in 2011. It was just a one show that year, and I really got my eyes opened up pretty wide that day. And then the next year, I think we hit two shows only. And then the third year showing Agga shows, that was 2013. And the first show we went to that year was Nationals in Minnesota. And that's kind of when this addiction really actually started. We got pretty we got pretty lucky. Um, we had the reserve national champion recorded grade junior doe and kind of spiraled from there. And showing was always a passion before that, just not so much in the goat world, more so in the dairy world and even the rabbit world. Um, so showing has always been a big deal, and the goats kind of weren't first in that line, but they are nowadays. Um, and then, like you said, Cameron, we hit up quite a few shows every year, um, pretty much show all across the Midwest. If it works for us, the weekend's open, and if I can line up chore help. Um, right now on my list for possible shows this year, I think we've got 15 on the list. I know we won't hit all all those that we hit up eight, nine, that'd be pretty cool. Chore help. That's always an issue, isn't it? I don't care how many you have to chore. 
it's hard to find somebody to step in and do that when you're gone. Just like you guys are my biggest, my best chore help are usually my best show help too, to bring with to the show. So kind of doesn't work very well like that. Yeah. I, I find that true too. My best chore help was my dad, but uh, he likes to go to the show too. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. That's a problem. So I guess let's just open and talk about it. Garrett, what chore? I mean, how do you find chore help? And I literally saw this question on Facebook the other day. Um, So I'm not very well. I've had pretty decent luck finding chore help in the past, but we're starting to run into a problem. In the past, it's been we used to lease out a lot of goats, the 4-H kids and some friends and stuff. We kind of quit leasing the 4-H kids as most of our friends got older and my siblings are older and don't aren't super big in the 4-H anymore. Um, so that they, they used to be our best chore help, yeah, but now I'm kind of running in the snag where I got to start finding new chore help. Um, but I'm also an FFA advisor, so I should really start using that to my benefit and finding more help. I think that was the number one, repeated idea on Facebook on that post that Cameron was referring to. A lot of people said, Oh, hit up your local for your local FFA chapter. Um, you know, find some of those kids. They might want that for an SAE project, helping to helping to uh, take care of somebody else's animals in their absence. And, and I thought that was an excellent idea. Yeah. If not, they can at least make some money as well. I mean, I know, uh, we pay rather handsomely. Not all, not all. Obviously, people can do that because they might not have the resources. But we've learned that if we treat our chore help correct, right, they'll want to come back. So, um, and I, th- I don't know if that was you, Laura, or was someone else that was telling me they paid a lot of money for their chore. Maybe it was you, Laura. Who was you when you it went on was. vacation? It was um, chore help, and then also <laughs> help unloading hay. <laughs> I pay really well for people to come do that because I want them to jump at the chance to come help unload hay whenever I need to unload hay. So if, if you pay, if you if you can afford to pay your help well, they will gladly help you again. Yeah, I agree. I I always go we because my dad's the principal. He brings usually someone from the school out to help uh, when we're not there. So that I've found that younger kids generally tend to do. Uh, very well with chore help. Yeah, I agree with that. All right. So you got your chore help lined up. You're probably maybe one month out from the goat show. You're, you're planning on going to a goat show. I've got it set that I'm going to a goat show May 6th. I don't know if that's a Saturday or not, but May 6th. What do we need to be thinking about right now? now that we're one month out to the goat show well if it's we're a month out then we need to be working on obviously first off probably picking our show string and before that there's a lot of other things you got to be doing before your month out and so hopefully you've been doing all those things um regular hoof trimmings making sure your goats are back in condition after freshening and milking um, making sure your dry stock's obviously healthy, growthy, and your dry earlings aren't too heavy. So all those things will go into picking your show string. Garrett, I have a question for you. Do you yes. have any tips for people on helping those does recover from kidding and early lactation when maybe they're looking a little on the rough side or uh, maybe 
got a whole bunch of kids and they're a little on the thin side. How, how early out do you start really pushing them? And do you have any, any secret weapons that you'd like to make not so secret and share some ideas? Um, I don't think I have any real secrets. Um, I'll start that pretty much as soon as they've recovered from kidding. So a couple of weeks, I'll start pushing extra grain, extra hay. If I got to throw them in a separate pen to just feed them or throw them up on the milk stand after I'm done milking so they get feed again. I think people really underestimate the quality of good feed and good hay. That's really my secret. I don't really do a whole lot of additives for anything. Just hay feed, good fresh water, blue light. Yeah, I, 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 I think there's no secret when it comes to, I think, to get your goats into the best condition, like Darren said, is just keeping them on a consistent routine of good quality intake of, of stuff, for lack of a better terms. Um, you know, good quality hay, if you can get it the best quality that you can get, slash afford, is what I tell people. And then making sure that if you are using a different ration, so, for example, I'll pick on my fiancé, she actually switches her ration from uh, kind of a dry dough intake or a pregnancy intake over to like a milk intake where she bumps up the protein percent um, compared to what she feeds during a dry period. So really, if you're deciding to do that, making sure that your ration is is adjusted for um, show compared to being on dry. So along with that, one of the things that I always try to take a good look at is sometimes when they're under all all that shaggy hair during the winter time, they can pick up some parasites that, that you may not necessarily notice unless you really look. So two things that kind of come to mind to me are lice and ringworm. Um, lice doesn't necessarily stand out at you until you really start looking at them. But I remember a few years ago, I didn't realize that my older does had lice until um, we had some little salmon babies and uh, I was clipping their heads off to disbud them. So they were really tiny. And I thought, what is this stuff at the, at the roots of their hair? And I realized they really were infested with lice that they had picked up um, either from the older does or from straw or something else that I had going on. But I think it's a good idea to really take a good look underneath that shaggy hair before you clip them for the first time and see what's going on there. Because you might have something that could take a little bit of time to take care of and you sure wouldn't want to take that to a show to a show. Oh yeah. I was I was gonna say I would definitely agree with that. Um actually just last week I went through and poured every goat on the farm other than the kids. Just so that won't be an issue anytime soon. And we do that every year, about this time of year, right after kind of they're shedding their winter coat a little bit. And what product did you use? Um, gosh, what did I even use this time? Not the normal stuff. I'll have to think of that if I if it comes to my. I'll I'll get back to you on that, or I'll have to go look. <laughs> I switched it up just like we switch up warmers. So, okay. Yeah, I think along like parasites as well as just being able to make sure they're they're wormed as well. I know that's something that we're doing right now um, is, you know, worming everybody after they kid. Um, that's I think that's a big thing as well. It's just making sure they're properly wormed before you take them out. That way um, they can recover from, you know, any worms or parasites that they do have inside them, um, you know, long term. 
Yeah, parasites can can really take a toll on how how your animal looks, and and that's that can be challenging. All right, you lost me, so I don't know what you said, but we're just gonna keep rolling. Okay. All right. Um, did you talk about health papers? Nope. Let's talk about oh. health papers. Okay, so health papers. That I think that's the last thing you need to figure out. Do you guys do only the goats you're taking to the goat show or you think you're going to take to the goat show on the health papers? Or do you do everybody in the herd on the health paper? I'll let Garrett start answer that one first. So I'll do everyone I know I'm taking, and then I usually try to give myself five to ten backups or spares. Because if I do the whole herd, that would take a while to get a health paper done. <laughs> Garrett, how many animals typically do you take to a show? Um, depends on the show. If I'm going to like a three-ring club show, I'll probably have 30 on the trailer. Wow, that's just... And if I'm going to state fair, we'll have 40, 45. That, okay. Yeah, that's, that's like me, minus 15 for a club show, but... The state fair, the nationals, um, will take anywhere from thirty-two to you know thirty-eight right now. With our peak being fifty-five, we took to the two thousand six Adga National Show. One year, we won the award for bringing the most amount of goats to the national show with forty-eight. It was terrible. <laughs> uh, yeah, you guys are much bigger school than I am. So, if I take twenty to a show, that's like the most I think I've ever taken. And that was crazy. And it was at the state fair. And, and I was like, never again, we're not going to do that again. So um, I'm much more small time. Uh, when it comes to health papers, I will say this up front. Most of the shows in Missouri don't ask for health papers. So we don't always do them. Uh, there are a couple of shows down in the Southern Missouri that do require them and we'll get them. And I usually, kind of on a similar scale i put the ones that i know that i'm going to show and then a couple of extras in case somebody comes up lame or not feeling well or something at the last minute and i need to change them out but um that's that's kind of how i handle it also my vet's really good about um health papers they do want to see them but if i can give them the names and all the information ahead of time they've already got them ready so once we get there they just sign them and send us on. And maybe all vets do that, but I really appreciate that. I think that it depends on your relationship with your vet. I know we have a very good working relationship with our vet. With our vet. Um, and most of the time, they just do a farm call and come out and they look at everybody and make sure it's good. And then, um, you know, they'll do the papers and get it signed off and they'll email them to us and we're good to go. Um, but you have to have a very good working relationship with your vet. No matter if you go to goat shows or if you're just a casual livestock breeder, I think having a good relationship with your vet, whether it's in good times or in bad times is really important. Agreed. All right. So we're three weeks. Okay. So we've got past one month. We're three weeks out. What do we need to do next? So at three weeks out for me, it doesn't change a whole lot yet other than just kind of keep up with your feeding and your management. Um, and then at three weeks out, if you're still not, if you haven't clipped udders before, I'll start clipping udders and maybe do a practice fill about three weeks out. 
Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, I think a good practice fill is really important because, especially for you, Garrett, because you do run a lot of goats and you might not know what you want to take to to a show. Um, you might be able to get a good gauge and put if you put fourteen ish hours in them and see. Okay, maybe I really want to take this goat who I thought I didn't want to take, but now I really want to take her. Yep, that is kind of the big reason why we do that because that's usually when we decide for sure who's going, and sometimes or every year there's usually a surprise or two you find when you actually get them filled once and clipped. Sometimes good and sometimes not, right? <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, yeah, you're right there. You're right there. I know that for me, usually at that three-week-out point, I'm taking a look at, at um, not necessarily goat-related, but very necessary. Um, that's my truck and trailer preparations. I want to make sure that there's no last-minute oil changes, tire issues, brake issues, lights that don't work because i don't know why usually for us the state fair is the last show we go to and the lights are fine on the trailer and it hooks up fine with the truck and everything's great almost every year there are there are light issues when you hook up that trailer for the first time and my trailer is a fairly new one but i just think taking taking the time to check that check things like your trailer floor especially if you have a wooden floor make sure that those uh, that wood floor is sound and you're not going to lose anything out of it uh check your door latches make sure that they all shut correctly and just do a good overview so that hopefully you're not going to get stranded someplace down the road always check your spare tire too that's very important uh as someone that's blown tires before it's not fun um on the side of the road so always check that also check your trailer's vehicle registration and make sure you have the correct documentation for that as well inside the truck because that's often forgot about, um, especially not just by us, but by other people as well. Make sure your stickers are up to date on your license plate if your state has that. Ah, I didn't even think about registration. Good idea. Yeah. I, I know, Garrett, your trailer's less of a deal because you're always moving cattle in it during the busy time and whatnot, right? Well, we actually have two trailers. So during the summer show season, the one strictly for goats, because we have a we'll keep a loft in there for hay and straw and tack. So we and try not to take that in and out all the time because it's kind of a pain. And do you, Garrett, you wash your trailer out every single year, or between when you maybe you put cows in it or something like that? Do you ever do that? Um, I'll wash it before usually either before the first show or before a long haul. And then whenever it's clean, if we ever have it clean, the floor cleaned out and the uh, loft out, we'll wash it regardless because it's actually, you can actually get everything at that point. I know. Very good. So your trailer is a double deck? Um, homemade double deck. It's just some uh, rough cut one by 12s and one by fours that just run from side to side and then they're screwed on on the outside so they don't move. It's just for hay and straw and tack. Very nice. That way we can still fit enough goats on the floor. Right. Yes. The double decks are nice, but they're putting goats on the top is highly overrated. I will say, <laughs> um, I, I will I'll tell you that from personal experience. Please put put your tack on the top and not your goats. That's that's what I'll say. They, they will appreciate that. 
Um, <laughs> but I think cleaning the trailer is something that's overlooked because if you're like us, our trailer becomes a halfway home for goats that get out and we can't keep them in the pen um, during the year. So make sure that's cleaned out if your goat, if your trailer is like ours. Or a temporary buck home. Yeah, that's what I was thinking mostly. Uh-huh. Yep. Yep. We do that too. <laughs> so truck and trailer as well. But what about people stuff thinking about because i think three weeks out we really need to be thinking about preparing people stuff as well well yeah i know that so (laughs) when we first got back into showing goats um we had bought cots for everybody and uh, when show season was over i don't know if anybody else's family is like this but you get in for the last show of the year and you're tired. And for us, we always had school the next day. So it's Sunday evening. You're tired. You just throw stuff out of the, out of the truck, unload as quick as you can, get the animals settled and go to bed. And then you kind of forget that you didn't really do a good job of unloading stuff. And as I said, maybe this is just us and we've gotten much better over the years, but um, unfortunately our cots got stuck in a place that a bunch of rodents thought that they were a great place to hide nuts. I don't know if it was squirrels or what the heck it was, but uh, the next spring we opened them up and they had baby mouse nests and baby whatever else nests in there. And, and uh, we learned at the last minute that sometimes it's hard to find cots when you have about two hours to get on the road. So I would check all of your equipment that you use each year cots if you plan to sleep in the barn or whatever you're going to sleep on Um, if you have sleeping bags start out the year by washing them off the bat so that they're nice and clean and and no ickies in there Um, checking your show whites making sure that you have pants that fit and clothes that fit and (laughs) if if you're a mom uh you know dang those children grow just like your goats do so the show whites that fit in at the end of September probably aren't going to fit again in May. So make some plans to find some um, show white pants that, that work well for your kids. Otherwise you're going to be stuck wearing skinny jeans. Um, Moms of daughters, you know what I'm talking about. That just doesn't work for showing goats. Skinny jeans aren't great for that. So put some time into making sure you've got everything that you need. Yes, a classic example of the show whites are where I was showing at the Wisconsin State Fair a couple of years ago, and I hadn't checked because I will admit I'm terrible about wearing white pants. I uh, generally don't do it unless I have to, um, but we were at a state fair, and we're like, well, let's let's go all in on this thing. So we wore white pants, and I found them, but they fit me in the waist, but they didn't fit me lengthwise, and it looked like I was wearing man pre's the entire time. Um, <laughs> made quite the buzz on social media. <laughs> Man prees. I think you've. <laughs> the man prees are a thing. Word. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> oh, they're somewhere. Garrett, did you get to see the man prees? Did he start a new a new trend up there in Wisconsin? Or I'm not sure he started a new trend, but we I think we all got to see him on Facebook. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the man, the man prees. Oh, yeah, they're never, they're never coming out again. But also, if you're not going to sleep in the barn, really think about those hotel reservations, getting them booked. Um, maybe just not even three weeks in advance, maybe more in advance. 
um, if you're like, if you could grow a really big planter, think about that as well, because I know a hot shower is something that's undervalued or definitely undervalued when it comes to a goat show. And if you're showing in a place where you've never shown before and a hot shower is important to you, you might reach out to the show committee and just double check that there are showers on the fairgrounds because sometimes there aren't. And being faced with a whole weekend of showing goats and especially if there's a buck show and not getting to take a shower, I don't know about anybody else, but that sure does make a grumpy me. I, I, it's, it's just almost undoable for me. So find out that there's a shower. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, that's so true. A nice, a nice warm shower. I'm thinking about that. That's like the best feeling in the world after a long show day is just taking a nice warm shower. Oh yeah. Or if it's a cold show, getting up first thing in the morning out of out of your sleeping bag if you froze all night long and getting a hot shower. There's nothing more disappointing than finding out that hot is just lukewarm. <laughs> uh, one pro tip that I have that I'm going to pass along from my grandmother, God rest her soul, um, is she she would always put dryer sheets in the in with like the sleeping bags and like the pillows and the um, just where where you put the bedding essentially that brought a nice sense of freshness to them and made them smell good, even though they might not have smelled the best. So that's my pro tip for bedding. I like that. Yes. God bless Alice. Something else. I something (laughs) else I would also look at, you know, maybe three weeks out or so, make sure that you have enough um, show and care equipment for your animals. You know, take a, take a look at your hay feeders. Are they still in good shape? Do you have enough for the animals that you plan to take? Do you have enough water buckets? Um, do you have enough collars to show the animals that you want to go? Cause there is nothing worse than scrambling at the last minute, trying to find collars for the kids that you brought to the show take a little bit of time and just make sure that you have all of those on hand. And if you have to order them three weeks, gives you plenty of time to get that in before you have to leave for that show. Yeah, I, I agree on, on show equipment there. Garrett, is there anything show equipment wise, you know, maybe three weeks out that you really think about that you say, Hey, I should probably order that or, you know, or something like that. Yeah. If you haven't already by three weeks, you should probably be checking your clipper blades make sure you got enough new sharp blades or you get your blade sharpened, and then you should probably make sure you have some blade disinfectant and some cool lube on hand. Those are probably important things you'll need in the next week or two. Oh yeah, good point. And make yeah. sure your shipper, your clipper motors work too, because sometimes over the winter things might have locked up, or maybe you didn't get them oiled really well before you put them away. I think it's really important to make sure that those are still in good shape too. Mm-hmm. I will say I'm going to make a comment about collars here. The the collar on an animal, and this is from a judge's perspective, doesn't matter to me. I don't care if you have blingy collars. I don't care if you have um, chain collars. I don't care if they're gold. I don't care if they're like little dog collars. The dog collars don't really bother me. Some judges do bother them. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, the collar doesn't really matter. You can have the blingiest collar in the world, but the judge – if they're doing their job correctly, will only put you where you need to be in the class. So it doesn't have to be a fancy collar as long as it's a functional collar. One thing I will say, if the collar is too thick, though, you're not going to be able to see 
the tightness of the throat juncture for the head when you have that head up. So that's one thing on the scorecard that they call out. So that's something to consider with collars as well. I think some collars are distracting though. Would you not, would you not agree, Garrett? Do you think like the ultra blingy ones or, or sometimes people will run colored cord or whatever through their collars. And I'm always like, okay, you know, it's okay, but that's kind of distracting, I think. Yeah, I would agree with that. We use the plain silver chains is what we've always shown with. Um, that's what we prefer. I guess if you prefer the cords or a normal collar or a gold chain, you know, it doesn't matter to me. But I always prefer the plain silver chains. Have, have you ever thought about color coordinating your collars with your goats? Or maybe you have like a white goat, for example, Garrett, and you'd use a silver chain, but maybe you have a chamois and you use a gold chain. I don't know. I just came to me. Um, I've thought about it, but I've never really wanted to spend the money on a gold chain. There's a couple of goats I have in mind in my herd that I'm like, yeah, you'd look pretty cool with the gold chain, but I haven't. In the cattle world, well, you know, we have red, red or brown show halters and black show halters. We'll color code right there, but... With the goats, I just keep it simple. Stick with silver. As long as the size is right, it works. One thing to show committees is they're thinking about meaningful awards. Some of my very favorite awards that I've gotten are pretty little show collars. Um, You know, probably fancier than what I would always buy for my own animals. But it sure is neat when when you can get those little blingy things along with your grand champion rosette. It's like, Oh wow. Now she has a blingy collar to wear. This is, this is kind of fun. You know, maybe it's just a gold, a gold tone collar, but it's, it's a little different from, from what I've got. Otherwise. I, I will say is thinking about collars and we're going to go on a diatribe about collars here, but I think they're important is for kids. Um, you know, make sure you've, you've worked with the kids and maybe three weeks out, this is a great time to start working with them. One of the most frustrating things as a judge that I run into, especially at these earlier shows, is those kids don't walk. And it's normally the Nigerian Dwarf Junior Kid class, and they're parading them around, and they're all jumping up and down, or they're dragging them. They're like hopping or flying in the air. Um, <laughs> you, you guys have probably seen it and know what I'm talking about. Right? Am I crazy? No, yep. I've never seen that. Really? You've never seen Nigerian dwarf kids just jumping up? Oh, you're being sarcastic. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, it looks like a whole whole ring of popcorn. <laughs> yes. Yes. So as a judge, it's really hard to judge goats that don't walk. And, and as junior does, you have to consider that 55 points of the scorecard, which is over half of it, is general appearance. And how you evaluate a lot of general appearance is how they move in the ring. So really consider that before you bring out, you know, your three day old kids wanting an evaluation on them, Um, you know, really work with the kids and make sure that you can lead them around properly um, to do this. And, you know, this might be the pot calling the kettle black because I'm you're talking to the person that's lost goats in the national show show ring and, and drug them around. But but it's really important as when I put on my judging hat to say this. And I would say as an exhibitor, it's an important thing too, especially if you're asking somebody else to help you show. There's nothing worse than 
being handed a kid that is like pirouetting on their hind feet the whole time. And I've had them and I probably will have more in the future. I get it. So it's maybe one of those do as I say, not as I always do. But, you know, for sure, if you can get them trained, they're going to show a lot better for you. And you're not going to be wasting your money paying for entries on animals that walk on their two hind feet through the whole ring. Garrett, do you do you guys walk kids? Do you ever get your brother and sister, Brady and, and Brooke, to go out in the yard and walk kids? Um, I, we always used to get Brady and Brooke out in the yard. Now, a lot of the times, last couple of years, it's been me walking kids by myself. So that's why if you're kids to train by yourself. But, yeah, that's another important thing. At three weeks, month, I'll just start working with kids and try yearlings and maybe milkers you've never really shown a whole lot of, which is probably pretty important this year after not a whole lot of shows last year. I was thinking that same thing today, actually. I was I was walking around this dry yearling because there's a 4-H family that came and picked up some goats. was like, how do you show them? Can you show me? And I was just like, oh, let's, let me show off my 11th place senior showmanship of the national show skills for you. Um <laughs> <laughs> I make fun of myself, but um, and I was walking. I was like, "Yeah, this goat hasn't been worked with." So, again, we'll have the case of the crazy yearlings this year. I'm calling it. Well, and and two, I think the more you handle them, even if you don't have hours and hours to spend with them, at least get them used to the feel of a collar on their neck and some pressure on their neck. Because we've all seen those kids that go crazy and act like you're killing them in the ring. You're like man, I'm just trying to get you to walk. It's not a big deal. Um, a pro tip that I'm going to share that I would think seems kind of um, um, a no-brainer, but I see this happen from time to time. If you know you have a kid that has never been shown or isn't going to walk very well, please, for the love of all that's holy, don't volunteer to go first into the show ring. Let somebody else walk in front of you because your kid's more more apt to follow than they are to let you lead out the whole thing. Yes, I agree. Garrett, I love I love how your friend is in the background. Um, she's getting hungry. <laughs> I think it's great. <laughs> it's very authentic, I will say. <laughs> yep. All right. All right, we're two weeks. I think that's everything for three weeks out. What about two weeks out? So at two weeks out, if you have a black goat, then I'd start thinking about clipping her possibly, depending on the weather, the time of year. Um, if you're spring show, summer show, fall show yet, obviously your clipping will change then. But at two weeks out, yeah, I'd maybe start clipping the black goat, but at two weeks out, if it's nice enough, I'll try to wash them then, try to wash them once or twice before we start clipping. Doesn't that make a huge difference with how long your clipper blades keep a decent edge on them? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And it's so much easier to clip when they're done with all the dirt and hay in their hair. Yeah, I will agree with that. So black goats, I think all of us... <coughs> are at the consensus that when you should probably clip them oh, 10 days out ish before a show. Don't you agree? Yep. I would agree. Um, I will say too, you can fudge a little bit if you don't have time to do that. So I know that for me, if I'm going to clip, I really would just as soon get all of them clipped and get them done. 
because I don't like having hair everywhere. And so I just as soon clip them. Um, if you use a five blade or a seven blade, you can usually get by with clipping a black doe a little closer to show time. Um, but you also have to know your goat too. So uh, you might find out that you do really need those two weeks for a black goat. Black goats are just challenging to clip. I think. I agree. I agree with you. Never really know whether it's going to be, you know, uh, she's going to look good at, at four days or if she's going to look good at 10 days. Garrett, I know you've had some black goats in the past. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, well, I clip black goats every year and it kind of depends if they're a solid black or if they're like half black, half white. So if there would be a solid black, I'd probably clip them at that any about 10 day mark. If they're, you know, half and half, then I'll get closer to a week. Um, when I'm clipping bodies, my main clipper blade would be the 3123, like on a big full size clipper. Um, I use Andis clippers and Andis blades. Yeah, we. I use that oyster. I use the oysters. Uh, well, the oyster stars, lister stars, lister stars, not oyster stars, lister stars. Um, with the regular blade on that, there for my bodies, and then we'll do ten. We'll do tens on the on the legs. I think Laura, we've talked about this before in the past. But what do you do? Um, I use. I usually use the the regular blade on my lister stars too. Um. If it's early in the year, I might use a cover coat blade. They sell those for, you can get those for a lister blade, and it leaves it a little bit longer. Um, and, and on some goats that just tend to look better with longer hair, I might use that if I'm clipping a little bit closer to time than two weeks. But usually that regular blade does just fine. Yeah. And I try yeah. to use the lister star on as much of the goat as I possibly can. And then just save like the face and, and some on the legs with my little clippers just to get it done quick, quicker. Yeah, I agree on that there. So I think that's, you know, thinking about clipping or doing clipping. And Laura, it sounds like your strategy for clipping is to clip as many as you can in a day. Does that sound right? Yes. <laughs> yes, because as I said, I don't like hairy. I don't like to yes. be hairy. <laughs> yes. Garrett, what about you? Um, I try to clip as many as I can fit into the time I have. If I can get a full day to clip, then I will clip 20-some in a day. If not, I'll clip my two, three here or there, whatever it takes to get them done on time. I guess I should back up, too, and say, as I have gotten older and my daughters have gotten older, I do much less clipping than, I w than what I used to do. Um, all of my daughters are really great at clipping oh uh, madeline has areas that she's better at than clipping but elizabeth and caroline do a really good job of clipping and and madeline does when she puts her mind to it but it's it is really nice to have kids that learn how to clip it was hard in those early years and and i'll throw this out to both of you guys because you're probably not there yet but um it was very hard to be hands off and let them clip when I was just like, oh my gosh, look at all that hair that's gotten missed. And, 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 you know, it was not necessarily to my perfection, but it's so worth it after time because they're really good with it. I, I agree growing up and having that perspective 
um, where we would work in tandem, where there would be four of us outside. Granted, this was the time when we were taking a lot of goats to go to. It was like, you know, 45, 40, that 45, and we were going to seven, eight, nine shows a year, um, where we would clip three to four goats at a time with us. Is my brother Kenyon was phenomenal on bodies. That's what he did. He was great with that. Um, Evan would work on bodies as well. We'd have two Lester stars going at the same time. My dad and I would each work on the legs of the goat. So we could be clipping four goats at a time and we could power through them. I'm really, you know, I'm not, you know, I, they're not the greatest memories I had in the world of clipping goats. Um, but, um, you know, they, they definitely are memories. I will say, were there ever challenges as far as um, stellar arguments? Because I can tell you, my girls never argued when they never. goats. I'm, we never, I'm, we never I'm not serious. <laughs> never it builds family. It builds family connections, right? Garrett, do you ever have you ever had issues like that? No, nope, never. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I do a lot of the clipping nowadays. I do a lot of the clipping by myself, so I guess I lately don't usually have those issues. Sometimes it's just easier to do it yourself, isn't it? Yep, just takes a little longer. <laughs> yeah. When uh, you I'm, when so in taking the numbers of goats, and and this is for both of you guys because I'm just kind of curious. Um, over the years. I've noticed that I don't necessarily show kids at the first shows of the year, or if I do take them, like maybe I've gotten a call that they need more kids uh, to make things official. We'll show them and not clip them at all. Um, how do you guys feel about these earlier shows and showing kids? For me, it depends on the show, the year, the weather for the week. Um, I've done, I've left kids home, I've taken them, I've shown them fuzzy, I've shown them clipped, I've hauled them there fuzzy, clipped at the show, I've kind of, all depends on the situation. So you don't have a rule of thumb that you, you say, no, we don't show kids until after June 1st or something like that? No, like this year, the first show of the year is Memorial Day weekend. I know I'll take three or four kids, but that I'm probably going to try to keep myself to that. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I I have a rule of thumb though. I we won't take kids to the first show. We won't take kids. Uh, we might take kids like a middle of June show, but if it's not a payback show, we probably won't take that many kids unless we need to make it sanctioned or if there's a specialty. Um, to me, I it's not worth the value of them is not worth dragging out, clipping them out, and then a cold snap coming the next week and getting sick. Like I, that is the one thing I am super concerned about. So do you do you guys vaccinate with anything special if you're going to take kids out to a show? Because that's probably a uh, actually back on the month before activity or things like that. I haven't even thought about vaccination, but this is from someone that doesn't vaccinate a lot, so I really haven't thought about that. But that's a good point. Um, I definitely do. Well, I vaccinated the kids on our normal vaccination schedule that they all get Enforce three and once PMH. And then when they're weaned, they get another round of them. And then before I take any kids to the show, I always give them Enforce 3 again, unless it's too close to the last one. 
And is that for pneumonia, Garrett? Yep, that's the main reason. Okay. Gotcha. Interesting. Yes, but I, I, I think if you want to take if as as a, this, I'm going to put on my judge's hat and then I'm going to put on my goat breeder hat. Um, my judge's hat is if you want to bring kids to a show, that's fine. Make sure they are properly conditioned is the word I'm going to use in their hair coat for the weather that is happening. I get it sometimes that it gets cold on a day and you've clipped up the kid and it was 80 the week before. And that's, I, I, I understand, but just remember that that kid is going to be judged on how they look that day. So that's my judge's hat. My breeder hat says, I'm not going to take a kid out unless um, it's, I know they will be able to bounce back if it's super cold. So that's, that's my breeder hat. I think a lot of people, um, and I, I think a lot of people get concerned when they take kids to a show and, uh, they look around at what's at the show and everybody else has kids that are clipped and they maybe didn't decide to clip them. I know that we've, my family's been done that many times and we'll get to a show and my daughter's like, Oh gosh, mom, everybody else is clipped and we're not. And, um, I always think, you know, I don't care. Yes, you can see an animal better if they're not all fuzzy, but there is nothing worse than looking out into a show ring at eight o'clock in the morning. Of course, showing alpines, that's when we're usually out there, seven or eight in the morning with a class of, of junior alpine kids that are freezing and all hunched up and won't walk and look sick and have scours and, and are just totally stressed out. I'll take a hairy goat over that any day. And I think I would think that judges would agree on that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would agree on that. Um, and I think, I think Garrett would agree as well. Right, bud. Correct. Um, so I, yeah, I think that's, that's the most important thing there. Um, I, it may, but I think there are tricks of the trade that you can do with kids. I think taking off some of the long area hair in the specific areas can really accentuate some traits, you know, maybe a nice dairy clip or maybe just um, kind of touching up around the flank area with a, a 10 blade, um, you know, really maybe shaving the sides off, but leaving some of that longer hair there. I think that could really accentuate some traits of the goat. Um, and, you know, you can get away with not having a clip on them. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I'd agree with that. I've done that with kids quite a few times at the May and June shows. I've had the idea of doing that and then they kind of look stupid because I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so um, that's something that I really would like to learn more about is doing some creative kid clipping because you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like when I used to try to cut my own bangs, I'd cut a little bit on one side and then I'd cut on the other side and think, Oh, I need to cut a little more here. And then I cut a little more there. And all of a sudden there's nothing left. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I think the birth hair of a, of a kid is so hard. You know, that first hair that comes off, we call it the birth hair. I don't know if that's the technical term or not. But that stuff that stuff just flakes off and is so strange. The fuzzy baby hair is what we call it. It's oh, where they're yeah. all soft and, and you like to hug on them before they get prickly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one, one thing as well, especially early shows, I think a lot of people get intimidated you know, they see a nice, powerful, dry yearling and 
you know they get they you, you see a lot of dry yearlings at these early shows and i i like dry yearlings but uh, to me sometimes they can get a little too over conditioned so you may see a kid that's not clipped beat out a dry yearling that's clipped because they're a little over conditioned so I, that's just kind of my two cents there when it comes to clipping kids and and thinking about you know what they're who they're going to compete against and uh yeah Garrett, do you show you like to show dry yearlings? Because I know, I know, I've seen beautiful dry yearlings that you've shown. Yep, we always well, we always show dry yearlings. We the kids that we keep back, we'll usually breed half, two thirds of them, and then leave our younger, usually the April kids, back as dry yearlings. Yeah. So I always like taking dry yearlings out right away, and it just seems like more dry yearlings win the first few shows out. So that'd be another reason to leave kids home, I guess. The first couple of weeks or shows. Very true. I would I would agree with that. I, I I I'm gonna go on public record and state this here is I I am not the biggest fan of a dry yearling because if a dry yearling looks nice, she could have had a nutter. You know what I'm saying? Like if if, if mm-hmm. she's looking nice now, she could have she could have had an udder that would be equally just as nice. And they some people tend to over condition dry yearlings. Um, and that's just my experience from judging on a lot of different places and seeing a lot of goats and seeing a lot of over-conditioned um, dry yearlings across all breeds, primarily a lot of Nubians and a lot of Nigerian dwarfs because they're a little harder to, to raise and tend to get a little fatter easier um, from my experiences. So um, that's you may see more power, but I really like a good dairy kid that can really bring it all together. So it's just my personal But you know, though. Cameron – to me as 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 a breeder it's really frustrating sometimes that i'll be out in the show ring and see you know maybe i'll be in the champion lineup and i'll look up and down the line or i'll be watching it and i'll see a kid that to me has absolutely everything that you would want um very correct move with move with a lot of levelness and a lot of width throughout and just just looks like the perfect kid to me but time and time and time again, you'll hear judges go up to that dry yearling class for animals that sometimes I don't think have the same quality, but they're always throwing out size and maturity, stature and maturity, body capacity and maturity. And I'm like, yeah, they should be more mature. They're a whole year older. And it's just, I just think that's really frustrating. And, and sometimes I feel like it's kind of a lazy, a lazy placement. I don't know. Maybe that's just my own, uh, personal bias on dry yearlings do you guys garrett do you see that up in your area very often yeah i would agree with that statement i would say that's pretty accurate sometimes i i won't agree with the judges placing putting the dry yearlings over the fancy you know really pretty february kids that usually have pretty good growth on them by june july Mm -hmm. yeah I agree as a judge too that that, and as an exhibitor, you know, I put my exhibitor hat on, and, and it's really it's really frustrating that judges, you know, look can't really see some of the really really nice kids, or they miss those really nice kids because they see the powerful and and you know more mature dry yearlings. So, um, you know, it's something that as, as a judging group we collectively probably need to get better on. But um, I, I like to think that change starts with you, and you know. Thank you guys for pointing it out because I've 
uh, you both have shown under me. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not pointing fingers at you, Cameron. No, no, I'm just no, saying no. I see no. this a lot. Yeah, I think so. But... Okay, so you're two weeks out. You've got your goats clipped. We've talked about you know you've maybe thought about clipping your kids or giving them a fresh new do. Um, you're one week out. What's next? I will. I'll jump in here. Um, to me, it's load the trailer, and there's either two different ways to do this. One, you load the trailer, and you load it really, really fast, like you load it all in one day in a couple hours, or you gradually load it over like a three-day period. What do you guys do? Well, for me, since my husband uses the trailer to haul cattle, I don't have the luxury of getting to do it gradually. However, I will start a pile either in my garage or on my front porch and start putting all the stuff together that I'm going to load up real, real quickly all at once. So I guess it's kind of a, a sort of a gradual thing, but I, I start thinking about things and, oh yeah, I, I don't want to forget that. And I have a well-used packing list that I keep on my computer. So every year I print it off with the idea that as things get put in the pile, they get marked off. So I don't forget them. So that's kind of my method of doing it. Garrett, how do you do this? I definitely do it gradually because I've got the trailers pretty much sitting there empty right now. And a whole lot of the tack is up in the goosenecks. So, you know, when the week comes, I'll probably start sorting all that. And I usually will have the hay and straw be loaded a day or two before we leave and feed will be loaded. So when we get to the day to leave, all we got to do is usually throw the goats in, some water pails, hay feeders, hay in the hay feeders. Yeah, that's a I, life goal for me. I, I, I want a trailer like that someday that I can do that. The, the gradual loading is nice. One thing I, I like to do a week out, even two or three weeks out, is I like to bleach out my water buckets, especially if, you know, we're going to, especially if it's the first show of the year, especially that. Um, just knowing they're all nice and clean and nothing carried over from last year. Um, or anything else. I like to just do a thorough clean of a lot of the like supplies that we had the previous year. So when do you guys, um, do you wait until the morning of the show to do your final utter clip? Yeah, I always wait. I well, nine times out of ten, I won't do anything with the udder for clipping other than using a ten blade until the morning of the show. Every once in a while, I'll clip with the fifty blade the night before, but I don't feel like that's my best jobs ever. So I'll usually clip every udder and then shave every udder right the morning right before the show. We we do things differently. Where we, I am a big proponent of just going to a goat show and really experiencing it instead of worrying about the prep work, getting all of the prep work done if we can, before we go to the goat show. Um, but so if I'm going, for example, our first show this year will be in Memorial day. You know, we will memorial or Friday of Memorial day. We will 40, all the udders. We will 40, all the udders and we, that we go to the goat show with, um, we'll razor them probably too before we do that. And then we'll pack some extra razors as well um, to do that. But we like to go to a goat show and just be really present there. You know, hang out, watch the show, show our goats. Um, so I, I hate 
doing utters in the morning before a show? We kind of do a combination of that. Um, we'll do a basic utter job before we leave, but we'll have everything else clipped. I don't do it. I don't do any clipping in a show unless there is something that's really bad that has happened. Like, uh, somebody something got hurt and i had to substitute something at the very last minute and i don't have time to do it because i like to get to a show and just kind of have a good time to relax worry more about making milk and settling animals rather than stressing them out by clipping them but uh, i'm i do the final clipping of the udders on that morning because i really don't try to utter them up close enough that i feel real com- confident in clipping the udders at home for a final clip, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree with you on that. Um, I, I just, uh, I just, the morning of a show, I just feel so stressed out already. I don't want to add another layer of stress. And I don't even know why I get so stressed out. Maybe because I'm so passionate and I care and I want my goats to do well. <laughs> um, and I think that's everybody that's there, obviously. Uh, otherwise, they wouldn't be there. Um, but I, well, and again, all three of us are alpine breeders, which means yeah. we have to get up at the crack of dawn <laughs> to get our goats into the ring. So we don't have a lot of time in the morning. That's, yeah, that's true. Um, but I, I really am a big proponent of doing everything before and then doing very minute touch-ups in the morning. Um, so you can just settle in, just chill if you can. I can't. I'm usually pacing. Um, but just, just be as cool and calm in the morning as possible. I really like to take a razor blade and really just touch up that rear arch in the morning, make it pop as the kids say. Uh, so very excited, very, very, very passionate about that. So I'm, I'm guessing on our next episode that we are going to like start after you get to the show is that where we're going to start on with our part two of this yeah i think that's where we'll pick really? it up because this seems like a good day one last thing i want to talk to you guys is trimming the escutcheons though do you guys do that for me it depends on the show if it's a club show i'll just you know clip it with a 10 like normal but if we're going to state fair nationals i'll be trimming escutcheons unless they're a certain color or I can tell you right away, I'm probably not going to do a good job because they won't stand still. <laughs> uh-huh. Ditto. That's me too. I I love, I love the look of a really pretty, well-done escutcheon trim on a dry dough. And depending on the, the color of the skin or the color of the, the goat that you're looking at, it really can make a big difference. Um having said that it's a lot of work and especially if you take quite a few kids because they do move around and one bad one bad jump can really make it look bad so you kind of have to pick your battles and in national shows or state fair yeah that would be that would be something that i would consider but a club show probably not yeah what do you do cameron i agree if there's a specialty i'll i'll do it like i I want to be very competitive at a specialty because that's just the person I am. And I don't know. I mean, I don't think specialties in some cases get notarized as well as they should. Um, but I still want the, want the glory of it for, for just for um, not, not to say bragging rights, but I'll call it bragging rights because there's something 
extra marketing ability when you can you know do well at a specialty. So it just depends on the show. State fairs, yes. Big shows, yes. Um, and uh, you bet we did it for the only goat show we went last year. So um, it just it depends on the show, really. Nationals, yes. Yeah, but it is a lot of work. Yeah, I agree. So I think this is a good place to end, and we'll pick up next week when Laura and Cameron are in person. So that's exciting. That's going to be fun. Yes. Um, but before we go and finish this episode, we do have a question. And Garrett, I, I'm glad you're on because you've probably seen this and can probably really talk us through this question really well. Jordan, who I want to specifically call out her name because awesome, a young, a younger goat breeder all the way from South Carolina um, was doing it all on her own and asked us this question, and I love it. She asked us, um, what do we do for coccidia, coccidiosis, coccidia prevention? What are the signs of coccidia? And then how do we treat it? Who wants to tackle this? So I'll just share what I do and what we've done in the past and what we're doing right now. So per, for prevention, we use Calf Pro. Um, so I do that twice a day or both feedings, one day every week. And it's pretty simple. It's one cc or one milliliter for every 10 pounds of kid weight. And you just mix that right in the milk. But if they do have any coxie in their system, if they come off with the runs or diarrhea, that's it coming out of them. So to balance that, if that happens, then I always mix probiotics in with the milk when we feed. But if you do have signs, then for treatment, we always use Corid. So we'll... Drench them with cord for five days in a row. But we haven't had to do that in quite some time. Laura, what about you? I, to me, well, I was just going to say, to me, those kids, you know, signs of coccidia. When I have a kid that just, I don't want to say just has that look, because that's not helpful to anybody. But those kids that hang back that kind of have the head hanging a little bit They have the rougher coat and kind of a pot belly look to them. And especially if there's some scours or maybe, maybe they'll scour a little bit and then they won't. And then they'll scour again. Those are the ones that I'm like, yeah, we're going to treat you. And um, I have used calf pro and did fine with it. I think I've mentioned this before for the past couple of years, we've used ProBac C as a preventative and have been really happy with it because it has probiotics in it. So I think that that has worked well. Um, we've used Baycox in the past with with success most of the time. The problem with Baycox is it's so hard to get and it's really expensive right now. So, um, and we've used if we if we do end up with an animal that has coccidia, we've used Dimethox um, as a treatment on them. So we've used Corid when we can't get Dimethox because sometimes you can't get it, but. That's kind of that's kind of how we look at it here. What do you guys do, Cameron? Uh, Corrid, that's what we do, um, and that is our treatment, our prevention. We don't really do a lot of prevention. I will say that's something that we're, um, and, I, and I'll be very transparent and honest with you, as I always am. Um, we're not super great at prevention, but one thing we do do very well is we are very, very, very detail oriented when it comes to cleaning. We have a strict cleaning schedule for our kids. Our kids. <laughs> get cleaned out at their pens cleaned out weekly every saturday um like clockwork 
So I, I think really keeping the environment as clean and as dry as possible. So if it gets a little wet in that pen, throw some more chips down, shavings down, throw some more straw down if you have it. Anything to absorb that moisture, um, I think that's really, really important there. So again, I think the best um, you know, treatment is prevention as always. Um, and that's what we use. And then Corrid, if we do get it, and then sometimes if we if we notice one has Cockacity, we'll just treat the whole lot. Um, because if one's going to get it, probably more will as well. That's a good point. Yes. I think that answers the question. Awesome. Thank you for the question, Jordan. And again, if you listeners have any other questions, keep them rolling. We love to answer them. Absolutely. So next week, as we hinted, we're going to be talking about part two of showing and we're going to hit what happens after you get to the fairgrounds. And if there are things that you wanted us to touch on on the pre um, the pre preparation that we didn't let us know, we'll be glad to catch up on those, too. Cameron, I have one real quick question uh, about what you said at the very beginning about choosing your point in and where you're going to present your animal in the show ring. Yeah. That used to be something that showmanship judges asked all the time. I can remember judges telling me to take my animal any place in the ring and set up where I'd want to be. I don't see that happening anymore. Do you? Uh, I do that in showmanship. Actually, I, as the kids get older, I make them do that. I actually physically leave the ring for like a minute and I let them go anywhere in the show ring. And it, it's a mess but I love it. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Garrett, if somebody wanted to get in touch with you and wanted to take a look at your lovely herd of dairy goats, how can they find you? You can find my herd on the web at morsegoats.wixsite.com or you can find us on the Facebook at Morse Goats. Awesome. Thank you so much for being our guest this week. And I sure hope our paths can cross sometime next year. I'd love to see your pretty animals again. Yes, I hope so too. And thanks for having me on guys. As always, you can find us on the Facebook goat gab. If you liked us, tell a friend, you know, let's grow this thing and let's get more people involved. We love to always extend more invitations to our goat gab family. As always, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple iTunes, Spotify, or any other place where you get your podcasts as well. Thanks, everybody, and have a great week. Have a great week, folks.